head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. It's episode 208 today and I'm joined by the Sandor Clegane of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about, it's actually going to be a busy week upcoming uh, in the world of MMA and also the big card in Russia last night. I managed to get like seven hours sleep last night. It was such a weird feeling. Did you Did you get the same, Graham, or were you out, you were out doing a bit of drinking and stuff, were you? How'd yeah, you I, was out, I was out in the, on the beer. Uh, but uh, I woke up this morning pretty hungover, downloaded the fights and watched them. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit rough. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, Marge. Did you, did, you get any, did you get any Easter eggs yet? No, no. Actually, I got a, I got well, I got one like a couple of weeks ago when they when they first it was like I think there was like two for three euro or something somewhere mm. the small ones and I got them a couple of weeks ago, but not today. No, I told everyone don't buy me Easter eggs, buy me chicken fillets instead. Being like completely serious. But I don't think anyone would listen, so I'll probably get like two Easter eggs today. But I don't want them. I I I've tried to avoid them. Stay away from Easter eggs. Easter eggs are the devil. Like, why would why would you want Easter eggs? Ha, come here to me. I want to ask you as someone who doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Have you just been like inundated and uh, fucking mad with loads of Game of Thrones shit over the last week, or have you even heard about it much? No, like I heard a couple of people talking about it, but I haven't seen anything much really. Hype. Probably because it's like, you know, the algorithm wouldn't be targeting me because I don't watch it or I don't type in about it. Yeah, I suppose. Although everyone was kind of talking about it, but yeah, last week's episode as well was kind of, spoiler alert if anyone's there, it was kind of a setup episode for the next two weeks or, or the next couple of, uh, there's only six episodes, five episodes now I suppose left, so yeah, should be fun tonight anyway. No, we'll have a late night anyway. Way of it was disappointing. Uh, well, it wasn't disappointing really because everyone in the, in the last season, they were all moving to this one place, so this first episode was all of them arriving at this one place so like you couldn't have uh, started an episode when they're already all there and you don't like you don't even talk about how you know how they met or you know what the reception was like when they got there so you kind of had to do that and like it was gonna take a good hour to do that because there was like a few different people arriving so i was you know it had to be done like to tell the story properly even though like this is like a big real epic story and they're only having like six episodes to do like the the great war in the story so like it's going to be a bit rushed i think this last season no matter what happens but anyway look sure these things happen in cgi but um there was a there was a couple of big fucking dragons going at it last night over in uh, over in St. Petersburg when 100 130 no it was supposed to be 133 fights now uh between them Alistair Overeem and Alexei Olnik and we were kind of half talking about it before the podcast started you were impressed enough with with Olnik weren't you in, in this fight and how he how he fought to to start out with anyway against Overeem Yeah well, I thought he went about it correct like he went about it well like the game plan like pulling guard and not letting Overeem tee off on him early and making Overeem kind of think about think about that more and then then he kind of went for the strikes early like I know I know Alanex, uh he's got some impressive wins but he's, he doesn't really have a good gas tank so if he was gonna if he was gonna win he was gonna win early and he and he went for it early which which I thought he needed to do if he was gonna win but obviously obviously he ended up losing but uh, I thought his game plan like wasn't bad anyway. Mm-hmm. Olenek, like I said last week about Bilal Muhammad, that I think he gets as much out of himself as he possibly can. He's one of those guys. He's he really fights at his optimal level, maybe not at all times, but a lot of the time. And I think Olenek is the same. He really does get everything out of himself. Like he has so so many wins. I think he's only like lost what twelve times now or something like that. He's forty five wins by submission, and like. Okay, you can say maybe the, the the level of fighter he's not fighting wasn't that great until he got to the UFC five or six fights ago or whatever it was. But he's won, uh, or I think it's eight fights. I think he's f- nine fights now and five of them have won by submission or something like that. So it's, you know, you have to respect him for that. You, you know, we always talk about guys who might have loads of talent and how they don't use their talent properly or how they don't. Uh, adjust their game plans properly to suit them. Like you know, the Stefan Struve is always the example. We talk about a guy who's, you know, seven foot two or whatever, and he can't use his reach and, and everything like that. But we, 
maybe don't talk enough or appreciate enough fighters like Olenek who don't really have, you know, the physical advantages that someone like uh, Struve has or like, you know, a McGregor has or, or, you know, whoever, you know, whatever great athlete you want to, you want to pick out a Habib or a Max Holloway or a Demetrius Johnson or a John Jones or whatever. But he gets the real top level, the optimum amount of skill and hard and endurance and everything out of what he has. And I think we need to kind of respect fighters like that a little bit more. And okay, he lost and everything like that, but he's fighting over him as one of those guys you have to put up there with, with those top athletes as well. But we do need to appreciate guys like that a little bit more, don't we? Those guys who maybe we would have seen in the early days of the UFC a little bit more than we see now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit different now as well. Like I, I talk about it a few times in the podcast that a lot of the fights kind of in the past or in recent history are kind of very similar. Uh, so it's good when these kind of fighters who fight differently, uh, okay, maybe all next, like a, kind of a different example than some of them, but, <clears throat> but uh, he has these kind of, as you mentioned, old school kind of, kind of ways of back in the day, maybe a leg lock expert, people would be, people would be uh, caught by, caught by that, even though they know that that's just the thing he goes for, because he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. I think all next is one of them guys, even if you prepare for, his best move, like for example, uh, Ezekiel choke, he can still get, he can still get it, or he, he'll use your defense of it to get something else. You know, he's 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 very crafty in in what he does. He's not like it's not as if he's a one trick pony like back in the day where where maybe Paul Harris, for example, just mm-hmm. if he doesn't get if he doesn't get the leg lock, he's done. I think Olenek has a bit more to him that, and he's a bit more kind of has a bit more steel to him. Like he can take a few shots um, and keep going. Like uh, Paul Harris kind of would. Would kind of well if it, if he couldn't get the leg lock, we're kind of be okay. I'm not going to win this, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, all the next like you know, <laughs> he's had a long career and headlining a UFC probably didn't seem likely um, yeah. a couple of years ago. But he's done really well, like mm-hmm. really well. Like you know, he's he's beaten some good guys and he's he's like okay, it doesn't it doesn't look good on the record. He got put away early by Overeem, but Overeem's like a former title contender you know he's a top level fighter so he, i thought he did well like obviously obviously <laughs> he, did, he did his game plan i thought his game plan was good and he did well but it, obviously he just was completely outmatched class wise and the well-roundedness of the mma game but he still offered offered uh danger danger to over him on the feet which was was a little bit surprising to me but uh over him kind of just kind of covers up when when he starts getting hit with shot and just kind of waits, which is a which is a is a bad strategy in, in my opinion. But I don't think Olenek had the, any pop on his punches really. Like uh, it was a good performance by by both of them really. I yeah. think, but uh, I think I think Overeem, like the Overeem of 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 uh, non before proper drug testing, <laughs> maybe would have would have went through him uh, much easier, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think as you mentioned, Olenek has kind of done the best that he could with with his abilities. Mm-hmm. I, and like, maybe over him hasn't. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, that's a, that's definitely an arguable one. But I think like you hit the nail on the head there. Like the, he he has a plan B and he has a plan C and stuff. But I think the problem last night with with Olenek and it's is probably nitpicking is that the plan B kind of went well and that kind of drew him into striking a little bit. And drew him into the clinch a little bit more, kind of standing. Usually, Olenek would go and he'd try to get the clinch and he'd hold it and he'd hold it and he'd hold it and he'd try to pull you to the ground or try to get the Ezekiel choke t- standing and then pull you to the ground. But there was an air, uh, there was a kind of a point last night where he was stuck in the clinch and all he was doing was getting hit and getting kneed. And obviously, that's where the finish came from as well. And he didn't get out of it. And I think. Why he did that and why he kind of was more inclined to do that was the first big shot he landed, the big right hand, which, you know, I think Dan Hardy was wrong. Oh, it's hurt. It's, he's hurt. And it looked like he was hurt to me. It looked like he was hurt as well. But when I went back and watched, he wasn't hurt. He, he kind of knocked the mouthpiece out of him a little bit. And over him, instead of, you know, just spitting it out or, or fighting on or whatever, he kind of moved to the side. He's like, oh, I better fix my mouthpiece. And it looked like he was hurt, you know, when it happens quickly, but it, it he actually wasn't. It was just the mouthpiece moving on. So uh, Olenek kind of got drawn in then a little bit and he started throwing big shots and stuff. And, you know, he did a good job, as you said earlier, pulling guard and, and getting the fight to the ground and, and Overeem did a good job of getting up and everything like that. Uh, and Overeem, to me, Overeem did a fantastic job 
of staying away from the Ezekiel choke. And is he, you know, he okay, he's not a one-trick pony, and he showed that in this fight. But if if you can stay away from that one <laughs> trick, you know you have a fair good chance of winning the race. If you're if you're Alistair Overeem, sorry for bringing in the the horse remarks. One trick pony against a fellow who eats horse meat. There you go. But uh, yeah, look, <laughs> uh, to me, Paul Felder and uh, Dan Hardy did. I, I don't know if you saw it because you you only watched the tournament, so you probably didn't. They did this like analysis in a fucking attic, uh, and it was <laughs> in some gym, and they showed it on the broadcast, and they perfectly called the fight. They said what Overeem needs to do when uh, Olenek gets inside, and he gets goes for the, the Ezekiel joke. Obviously, you know, gets the, the hander on the back of the neck, and the other one then you know under the bicep or whatever it is. You know, I'm not explaining the intricacies of it and Ezekiel joke, but uh, when he does that. The, the best thing over him could do is get the tight clinch because you've both arms up and you're splitting his hand across and he can't get that hand across uh, your neck or into your carotid artery or whatever it is to, to get the choke. And it was perfect. That's exactly what Overeem did. Uh, he did that standing. And also on the ground, he was getting that two hands up. He was getting the two hands, you know, in front of of, of uh, Olenek's head. Just kind of pushing away, making a bit of space as well. Because, you know, when you need to cut down the space to get that Ezekiel choke. Uh, and Overeem wasn't letting him do that. He just simply wasn't on the ground or up high uh, when, when they got into the, uh, the tight clinch. You know, those, those knees across. I'm not sure those knees happen. As frequently anyway, if Olenek doesn't have all that success with the, well, not all that success, but that bit of success early with the big right hand, I really don't think that happens. But fair play, to, like to me, we, we you know we kind of wax lyrical there about Olenek and how good of a fighter he is. To me, it was a perfect game plan from from Alistair Overeem, and you know you said there, and I I totally agree with you about covering up and just taking taking shots in your arms and stuff like that. That that's actually a bad strategy, especially at heavyweight. We've seen that against Bigfoot Silva. Overeem got knocked out when he was doing that a little bit, but I think against Olenek, it's the perfect strategy because as you said, Olenek doesn't really have that much pop in his hands. Okay, he's he's knockouts and stuff, and he can definitely knock you out if he hits you. But I think Overeem is is much faster and can see those shots coming and and can block them, and rather than getting maybe drawn in or letting Olenek pull guard or get a takedown or something like that maybe it's better to take a few of those shots in your arms maybe then get the Muay Thai clinch and, and hit him with a few uh, kicks or or maybe just get back out to strike and, and, and hit him that way but look overall the, the finish then what did you think of the finish it was it was pretty smart by over him wasn't it? the way he kind of threw those hook Muay Thai clinch knees they were unbelievable weren't they yeah his knees have always been devastating like uh I remember being at the, the, the Travis Brown over him fight. That Travis Brown actually won, mm-hmm. but the the noise of the of those knees to the body, or I know that was a, a different over him, but he still knows how to throw a knee pretty well. Like, and you could see straight away that they were affecting Olenek. Like, he's a tough, really tough guy, and he tried to brave through it, but tried to throw some shots back of his own to the body, uh, punches back to the body. But it, it was uh, he needed to get out of there as quickly as possible, but. It's, e- it's easier said than done if somebody knows how to throw knees that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And look, overall, uh, look, a good fight, maybe. The, the kind of fight we expected, I suppose. My rating for this fight, severemail.com forward slash ratings, is a 5.7. I think it was a good fight. It was just a little bit above average. Um, Not not the best fight in the world. I think Overeem, you know, Overeem was smart. He knew what he was doing. Uh, and you know, Olenek did did his best, but at the end of the day, it was a little bit of a a little bit of a mismatch, I suppose. But what do you think is next for Overeem? He called out uh, Volkov. He was supposed to fight him here tonight. He's two in a row now, uh, beating Sergey Pavlovich, who we'll we'll talk about later on. Was on this card as well after losing to to Big Francie and and Curtis Blades as well. Do you like that Volkov Overeem fight again? It was supposed to happen here. Um, I wouldn't be like clamoring for it or anything, but yeah. it's a decent fight. Like and. If they're going to put it together before and Overeem still wants it, it's probably the most logical. Mm-hmm. It seems it's like, not like you know, it's nothing like to to get too excited about. It. Yeah, it seems like a good Euro headliner, doesn't it? You know, that could you know it could headline in fucking Germany or the Netherlands or you know Poland or anywhere, <laughs> you know, or yeah. even Japan or somewhere like that as well, or, or maybe Russia again. So, yeah, I think those are the sort of fights the UFC need as well because. <laughs> Yeah. If there was an Irish, if there was an Irish card or a UK card, and that was the main event, you'd you'd, you'd probably take it, like you know, mm. because the standard of some of the rest of the main events. Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. But did, I was kind of thinking, watching this card throughout it, this is, this is, the, and I think we have a question about it actually, which I'll probably get to in the Q and A on Tuesday. But this is the sort of card I think we can kind of expect, and we have been expecting recently. You know, this this kind of one name guy 
in the main event slot and in lots of good talented people on the undercard from that area that we're probably not going to know intimately until they become ranked or top fighters like you know even like someone like a, a Pavlovich who looked really good against Marcelo Golm who lost to Overeem in his last fight he could be someone who's who's good in the heavyweight division or Islam Makachev obviously we know him he's a very good fighter but the guy he was fighting Arman uh, Taryukin he he looked very very good uh, as well and you know someone Taryukin <laughs> yeah uh, what what did you think of of that fight the the Makachev fight that was that was a pretty good high level fight wasn't it for a co-main event here yeah, it was. Um, I think uh, Makachev got a little bit tired. He kind of mentioned uh, that he hadn't he hadn't gone the distance in a while. I wasn't expecting to, so maybe he thought he thought he he, he didn't think uh, our man would be as be as good as he was, or he was expecting to put him away, which is kind of a dangerous attitude to go in with. Kind of, you can end up losing you losing you a fight if you go in underestimating somebody, especially in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But uh, Makachev now, like you know, he. he uh, okay, like it probably wasn't his best performance in that one, but he's you know he put away Cajun Johnson with with a, with a quick submission and Glayson Tebow is al- always tough. I know he's getting on a bit now, but he's he like you, if you can put him away in the first round, like you're you're pretty good. Like mm-hmm. so, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Here. He's got a good record. Uh, I don't know what they'll do with him next, but it'll be it'll be a step up. I'd say uh, maybe it was a bit a bit of rust I, I was kind of expecting more from him in the fight but, or maybe I was also uh, underestimating uh, Arman mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but by all accounts he's you know he's a, he's a really good fighter it was July to you know 2018 the last time um, uh, Makachev fought so what's that 10 months out of, out of the cage so yeah that, there's definitely a bit of rust there alright but you know I, I, I thought it was a, a very good fight or a high level fight and that that trip into Mount from Makachev was one of the prettiest things I've seen in MMA cage in a long time. That was absolutely fantastic the way he did it. Just, just so quick, so brilliant. And you know, those Dagestani lads are are just unbelievable. You know, you saw Habib cheering him on from, from, uh, from the sideline, and that that's the sort of thing maybe he do. Maybe not even not even as good the, the way he does it. But it was it was really really fantastic, Makachev, and he's definitely one. You know, someone like. A, you know, someone like a cowboy or a, an Aya Quinta, I think, in the next couple of fights, maybe would, would be a big name that I think Makachev could beat, and that would kind of lift him. And I think, I think he is that ilk of fighter. Maybe not. I don't know if he'll be a champion or anything like that. And uh, you know, when Habib is there as well, they're they're unlikely to fight it there. But he is he's a really really good fighter and, and one definitely to, to to watch out for. As I mentioned with Sergey Pavlovich as well, maybe not in the same. Uh, maybe he won't be fighting for titles or anything, but, but maybe he's, he looks a good fighter as well. But what, what did you what did you think of this Roxanne Madafari and Tanina Shevchenko fight? God Almighty! Um, yeah, um, don't expect much from like a Roxy Roxanne Madafari fight, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought uh, I thought it was poor. <laughs> I can't. I like. I talked to Zen Simon there, or spoke with Zen Simon even on the uh, the State of the UFC address we did for uh, on Patreon there, what two weeks ago now at this stage, and we talked about the women's flyweight division, how long it'll take to kind of establish itself, and Zen was kind of saying it'll be faster than than we think, and it's already kind of done it, and uh, he made some good points, but to me. <laughs> when you look at this fight and it was the number seven ranked flyweight against the number 12 ranked flyweight it doesn't speak well for this the division really doesn't this, this was horrendous and you know we, we've talked about roxy before and I, i'm not even talking about her in this fight i thought shevchenko was awful re like really really bad roxanne did she's another person who gets the most out of herself and i'm not you could never criticize that you know she she went in and she tried to get the takedown against a superior striker and did it very very well and i, I thought it was a close decision i probably would have given it to roxy as well i think she probably won the the second and the third although the third was was very close as well she definitely won the second i thought that was the only real 100 percent clear round but i, I think the, i think the right person got it but for shevchenko you look at her like and even an idiot like like me and you watching this fight seen her getting she kept getting the wizard the overhook on when when she was uh, against the cage and i'm like saying especially after watching adesanya last week and we talked about it two weeks ago you know on the podcast beforehand as well all he did all the time was get the underhook control the wrist on the other side and turn away and get out against the clinch and okay Modafferi was doing a good job of getting the underhook, but there was lots of times where she was just kind of going in before getting the underhook or before controlling in that position. And Shevchenko wasn't even trying to pumble, wasn't even trying to get the underhook. It was like her full, her whole game was playing the wizard game and trying to keep the overhook. 
and it it just made no sense. The, that overhook was just getting her thrown on her head, put on the ground all the time. In the middle of the cage as well, she was getting either taken down or pushed against the, the cage where she couldn't defend herself. It was just like watching it. I'm like saying this is, you know, she she she's like a Ferrari when when she's when she's striking and she, her technique is is so good and she looks to have a, a little bit of of popping her shots as well for for that weight, and then you just get to the grappling and you get to, or grappling as isn't actually too bad it's it's okay you know she kept going but when you get to the wrestling and the the clinches like the clinch is something which valentina's really really good at you know those knees inside and get, she gets into that mai tai clinch and she's good takedown defense and everything like that and antonina just isn't there yet she's really she is no valentina is she yeah she's she's severely lacking but we kind of knew that before by I, that she, that was the weakness in her game, but I didn't think it would be it would be that bad. Like yeah, you know, Roxy isn't really sh- like you know popping in on uh, quick doubles or anything or tripping you beautifully to the ground or anything. It's she'll be able to defend most most of those attempts, and she, she just isn't there with her, with her with her defensive wrestling. And I don't know, I don't know if she's if she's put the work in or not, but uh, you, you kind of hope she hasn't because if she has put the work in and and it lo- looks like that, then. <laughs> She'll, she'll she'll never be she'll yeah. never be good. Yeah, well, I never mind. Yeah. She could like she could, but it's she's on a very low base. She's not on a UFC standard base right now with with her uh, her clinch game and her her takedown defense. It's just not there. It it's not. And even you know if Roxanne Metaferi is, is you know she's a good fighter now, but she's borderline UFC fighter. You know and. Anything she's going to be fighting, there isn't much worse than Roxanne and Metaferi, no disrespect. And, you know, there aren't that many fighters in the UFC's women's flyweight division. So anyone she fights next is going to be probably looking at that fight and saying, I can do what Roxanne Metaferi did. And they probably will. You know, I don't think in, in three or four months you can you can close up those those things. But, you know, maybe you can. <laughs> just just get an underhook and control the race. Do what Israel Adesanya did. He did it pretty quickly. And she's an athletic person as well, big and strong. So maybe maybe she can do it. You'd still have hope with, with someone who, who looks a good athlete like that. But after last night, it's it's tough to have hope. She didn't she didn't look good at all. Um, Christoph Jocko and uh, Alan uh, Amadovsky put on... It was an it was an okay fight, a good comeback win for for uh, Jack Coder. Uh, Eliev and Aliyev got wins as well. Aliyev retired after that. Can't wait to see his next one. Uh, Alexander Yakovlev got a, a lovely uh, guillotine. It was kind of a half guillotine, half Alaconda. They were calling it a, a gilliconda as I uh, as I um, as I called it yesterday. Then uh, uh, my boy Shami came back and got another win against uh, Marcin Sabora. Um, uh, Mikhail Olinichuk, I think it's, uh, no, that's not his name. That's the dude Richard Kiley fought, but he got a lovely, lovely KO uh, in in the second from the top, from the bottom even. And uh, Magomed Mustayev uh, got a beautiful spinning back kick TKO as well over uh, his opponent there, uh, Rafael Fiziev in, in the first all round. You know, it was a it was a a good card, not a great card, kind of what we expected coming into it, really. It was decent, decent, decent. Uh, all right, let's move on. One thing I want to uh, mention first, I don't know if you saw it or not. Did you see this video of Max Holloway's son and like he was crying after the fight, and Shaq came up to him and he was like, "It's okay." And then Dustin Poirier came up to him and stuff, and it was okay. And I was like. Everyone was saying, oh, uh, you know, fair play to, to Dustin Poirier and fair play to Shaq and all, and 100% fair play to them, but, like, a young lad of, of, what is he, six or seven or eight, maybe a little bit, maybe ten, I don't think he should be there watching his father fighting like that. Uh, like, it's, okay, if he wins, whatever, fair enough. If you want to keep him in the back and show him the fight afterwards, no problem. I've no problem with, like, young lads watching uh, MMA or, you know, um, you know, we've been showing how to defend themselves or you know in training mma or training jiu-jitsu or whatever but when your father and you're like an eight or nine or ten year old young lad and your father's in there fighting and you know max holloway nearly got knocked out a couple of times in that fight as well i don't think that's right what do you think um yeah i don't know i never really thought about it it's probably up to the the the, the parent but i think when they're like when a kid's like you know just born or or one or two or three they quite kind of don't know what's going on mm-hmm. they wouldn't really grasp what's going on but when when they're six they probably would so maybe it would be traumatic you, you probably just know your own kid though and how they'd react to it but he obviously was very upset so he didn't react well and it was 
Um, maybe Max Holloway was like so confident he was going to go out there and win, but obviously, uh, MMA is a is a cruel game. It is, yeah. But no, I love just bird noises behind you. It sounds like you're on, uh, you're like this, like a meditative uh, <laughs> <laughs> thing. It's never sleep. But. It's like the golf. I'm just playing them and uh, just playing <laughs> yeah. fake, fake noises to make it sound good. Max Holloway, you're now going for the jab. He lands that jab. You're coming with the right <laughs> cross <by. laughs> oh, I think I'd love. That. I'm going to do a rewatch like that. Just golf commentary over a rewatch. But yeah, I don't whisper, though, don't you? For no reason. Yeah, you do have to whisper. Golf commentary. I was. Uh, I, I said I wouldn't mention that because I looked at. It was a kind of a thing I looked at and I was like expecting lots of people to reply like what was his son doing there and no one did i didn't see it anywhere i was like should that not be the first reaction to that sort of thing it's like take the young lad out of that situation don't don't have him in that situation you know max always probably confident he's gonna win and he wants his son to see him you know winning the the lightweight belt or whatever but come on man i i, I don't think okay wait till the, wait till the young lad is 15 or 16 and bring you you're still going to be fighting you know in, in five years or whatever and that i think that's that's time enough but Look, I, I thought I'd mention anyway because uh, I, I think it was definitely worth uh, worth mentioning. Um, okay, next week's card: Jacare Souza versus Jack Hermanson. I, I suppose an odd matchup that we we didn't really imagine until until we kind of saw it. But it could it could be an interesting fight, couldn't it? Jack, you know, Jacare's last fight. I was just watching there as we kind of started the podcast, and you know he fought uh, he fought Chris Weidman, and Weidman landed a lot of strikes on him, but Jacare kind of came through him and landed that that big knockout and you know Jack Ray is a guy who maybe isn't given enough credit for kind of the wars he comes through and the amount of damage he can take and keep keep going and that's I think something he's probably going to have to do against Jack Ramanson isn't it who's like a really you know fast starter and who's who's really good over the first couple of rounds yeah he's like he's kind of Jack Ramanson like when he lost to Thiago Santos a couple of years ago now he, you kind of maybe thought I was going to maybe think he had. I think he had another loss before that, um, recently before that, and you kind of thought oh, maybe, maybe he, he's kind of hit a ceiling. But Tally's late. He's is a very good fighter, and he, he put him away. And like David Branch is, is is also a good fighter, and he and he he choked him in the first round. So he's a dangerous fighter, but uh, Jackeray is just I think on a completely different level. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Jackeray isn't like washed up and <laughs> too old now or something, you know. If the Jackeray that we've seen over the years comes out here, I think he, he'll destroy Jack Manson. Uh, like Jack Manson's kind of taking people down and trying to choke them and ground and pound them and stuff, and that's that's not that's not the tactic against uh, yeah. against Jackeray. Mm-hmm. I think Jackeray striking is probably actually better as well. So. This is a very difficult fight for Jack Manson to win. Uh, yeah, I agree, but I think Jack Manson is the type of fellow who could win this start of fight because he will come out and he's just... just tough it out. Yeah, he'll throw everything <laughs> in the first two rounds. You know, as I always say, he's a middleweight who fights like a flyaway. You know, he'll be coming out and he's, he's athletic and he's fast and he'll... You know, he will he will throw. He might not be a better fighter than Jack Ray, but he still might win the fight. You know, and I, I'm looking for... Look, I, I think Jack Ray will win. I'm definitely picking Jack Ray to win the fight, but I wouldn't rule out Hermanson all. And I was thinking about it last night, watching a, a bit of Hermanson's clips and stuff, and sometimes it's tough to gauge where guys are until they take a fight like this. Like, Jack Manson has looked great recently. There's definitely no, no takeaway from that, and, you know... I think you probably most famously watching McGregor coming up. You said, "Oh, you knew he'd beat Aldo, and you, you know, you knew he'd he'd win these fights." And you know, some sometimes like Habib coming up. I I think most people I said it, and most people said it. Well, there's up. always there's always not anything that happen in MMA, but mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, but it's very her, her Manson is one of those guys. Maybe like. Maybe like a even like a Paria a little bit, although not, not you know not as as prolonged maybe as Paria, who we always thought maybe couldn't beat top guys and wouldn't get towards the title, and then he he did and kind of proved people wrong. Whereas Hermanson is a guy, kind of we don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm I'm hundred percent sure he's a really really good fighter and will beat lots of probably ranked guys and you know definitely guys are around the top twenty or thirty anyway. But if he can beat a Jack Rail, I think that kind of changes what we think about Jack Hermanson a little bit. I think we're going to start thinking about him then as, as a title contender and thinking about him as, you know, this this knockout artist or, uh, you know, a big submission artist uh, against, uh, you know, against the, the different guys. And, you know, let's say, he, you know, he fights Jack Rail and obviously he's not going to be wanting to go to the ground with Jack Rail. So maybe, you know, he knocks out Jack Rail. Then he fights Stylebender. You're going to be thinking about maybe he want to get the fight to the ground and get a quick submission again. So he's, you know, he's interesting in that way and that he brings so many different things and, you know he's it. I always think, you know these fast twitch guys like you know like a McGregor <laughs> earlier, like uh like a, a Vitor Belfort. 
they're fucking dangerous, like, and they're very, very dangerous in MMA, and I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this fight, I'm almost, I'm almost more looking forward to this fight, uh, than, than the, you know, Jacare against, um, against, uh, who, who was it he was supposed to fight, Joel Romero, and, and Paulo Costa as well, because this, this is kind of the unknown, and, I don't know. I just feel like Jack Romanson is a guy who will rise to the challenge and, and do well. But, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think he'll so go you, five you, rounds. You kind of have a, a bit of a feeling that Jack Romanson might cause you upset here. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm still picking Jack Ray, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that... like Jack, if, if, if Jack Romanson wins, you got to come back next week and claim you called him. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Just I put up that 100 emoji. All right, fuck it. No, I'm picking Jack Romanson. Jack Romanson's going to win. There you go. I called it now. So if, if Jack Ray wins next uh, next week, you can say I was wrong. I'm picking Jack Ray. Like, look at Jack Ray's record. I won't be, be Chris Wyman, fair enough. Uh, lost to Kelvin Gastelum. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> beat Derek Brunson. Completely, completely. Yeah, fair enough, whatever. <laughs> fair enough, who cares? <laughs> lost to Robert Whitaker. Beat Tim Boch and Vitor. Lost to Oil Romero. Like, he, Jack Ray's talking about title shots and all. You know, Jack Ray's lost three of his last, what, seven fights. No, you know, Jack Ray isn't what he used to be. Jack, I'm just talking myself into picking Jack Romanson here. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, Jack Ray's touching 40 as well. Are you trying to convince yourself? I'm trying to convince I'm picking Jack Romanson. Jack's going to do it for, for Europe. <laughs> He's one of my favorite fighters. But anyway, uh, what else in this card? Uh, Greg Greg Hardy is back here in the co-main event as well, fighting Dmitry Smolikov. Uh, who is you know he's he's an all right fighter. Looking at you know <laughs> his record and stuff today, he's he's nine and two. Lost to Sir Lasker and Luis Enrique, who's you know not great fighters. Both of them in the in the first couple of rounds by by stoppage, and he went out and he won an Al- Aslan challenge. How can I protect you in this crazy world? In his last fight, uh, in in January, so he's coming back into the UFC here. So you know, set up fight again, kind of maybe for for Greg Hardy, but. You know, with Greg Hardy, there's got. I suppose there there hasn't actually. Well, maybe I suppose the fight week hasn't talked yet. Started yet, sorry. But there hasn't been much talk about, you know, Greg Hardy and the, the kind of the, the stuff he brings. And you know, I suppose we 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 you know we've talked about that before. And I suppose we'd hear a lot about it over the week. But look, let, let's see how that fight goes. Alex Oliveira versus uh, Mike Perry. That'll be funny shit as well, yeah. wouldn't it? Who'd you fancy in that? It's hard to it's it's hard to pick because I'd probably lean with with. Alex Oliveira. Me too. I just I'm, I I don't quite see what what other people seem to see in Mike Berry. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see that high level guy. That maybe like you know it's he hasn't he hasn't fought he has he's kind of like you know he's fought Paul Felder and Don Cerrone and uh, he's he's lost upon any bit of it. Like you know these are good guys and the biggest the biggest win of his of Mike Berry's career is probably Paul Felder. Like mm-hmm. but I think Paul Sharp Felder was kind of gone up away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I don't. I just don't see what what other people in the media and other f- people seem to see in in Mike Perry. And I think, like I, I know Alex Oliveira is not exactly setting setting the MMA world alight with his with his abilities, but I think he's going to have too much too much on the ground probably mm-hmm. if he can get it there, which I think he probably can. But uh, Mike Perry can, like you know, he can throw punches and he's 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 tough. But I think Alex Oliveira will have too much. I, I just I. Maybe I'll, I'll be proved wrong, but I I just don't see what people got excited about Mike Perry for. Um, I agree. I I think Alex Oliveira is a way better fighter than Mike Perry, but Mike Perry does have have big power, and he does have, you know have a knockout shot as well. Trent Trent Jackson Wink as well. You know he might improve a little bit, but no, I think Alex Oliveira is much better. But you know Oliveira has been caught before, and he's been you know hit hard before and dropped and stuff. So you know there's definitely hope there for Mike yeah. Perry. I wouldn't rule him out, but I I'm 100 percent picking Alex Oliveira as well. But you know, I think it should be a fun one. Um, Glover Teixeira versus Ian Kutalaba is is a very interesting fight for me because I think Kutalaba has a lot of talent and maybe he hasn't showed it that much yet. And so does Glover. Glover's the kind of guy who you see him fighting. You could see him fighting here now in in what have we? January, February, March, April, and he could look brilliant. He could look like oh, you know, Glover's going to get a, a title shot, and then he could fight in you know June or something, and you'd think oh, Glover's looking old, and he's you know he 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 lost, and he just doesn't he doesn't look the same. He's over the hill, and then he fight in December, and you go, oh, Glover's great. Look how good he looks. He's one of those lads, isn't he? You don't know what Glover to share is going to show up to me. Like Glover on his day has absolutely fantastic wrestling. He hits. Really Really, really hard, and is a tough matchup for anyone. Kutalaba has been knocked out before. I think if Glover catches him, he'll probably knock him out. But this is really kind of what Glover turns up, isn't it? This fight. Yeah, like uh, I see, I see on the odds that uh, 
Glover is an underdog. I probably, I probably go, I probably go with Glover in this one. Like mm-hmm. he is, like he's, he's more than competent everywhere in the game, and he's, he's usually he has a good game plan. Like uh, usually he, his wrestling, if he wants it, if he, if he wants to use his wrestling, is there, and he's able to throw strikes. And okay, he's, he's, like you know when he, when he's, when he's lost, he's lost to top guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe Corey Anderson's the outlier there, but like. How dare Alexander you speak Gu- ill of Beeson? But like you know, compared to like Anthony Johnson and yeah, right, a- Alexander right. Gustafsson, you know, you know, these John are really guys. Like John Jones, Phil Davis, you know, these are really top guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe maybe he is getting old. Maybe as you say, maybe, oh, he's turned up and he's old against Corey Anderson, or maybe maybe a bad day at the office or <laughs> something going on in the training camp. You know, you never really know what's going on. So I wouldn't root him out yet, and I. Okay, uh, I I'd pick I pick him to win here. I pick him, I pick him quite confidently, Me even though too, he's an underdog. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I I I hundred percent agree. Another fun fight here: John Lineker against Corey Sandhag. And you know, uh, Corey in his three UFC fights has has three finishes inside of two rounds. So that should be really fun. Always fun to watch. Uh, to watch John Lineker fighting Pin Saunders is back here as well on the undercard. Uh, Andrew Arlovsky is fighting Augusta Sakai. Jim Miller against Jason Gonzalez. Always fun to see Jim Miller. Court McGee as well against Diego Lima Court McGee opening up this show here and like Court McGee is, is one of those lads I, I maybe it's a team for the day that gets the absolute best out of himself you know he beat Alex Oliveira in his last fight uh, after uh, around a year of a layoff and it's it's been what you know six months I suppose since that fight again after he'd lost a couple to Ben Saunders and Sean Strickland before but looking forward to seeing Court McGee back here again and you know that should be a that should be a, a, a pretty fun fight but sure let's, let's see how it happens and you know not a bad card uh, all in all and uh, you know it should be it should be fun. Uh, then the other big card of the weekend. Uh, before we get to that, actually, um, Cage Warriors and KSW have a couple of cards the at the weekend. The Cage Warriors won first, I suppose. Uh, Jack Shore is back there. He's fighting Scott Malone in the main event uh, for for the title for the hundred thirty five pound title. Ten and zero, Jack Shore. A lot of people, you know, we've one question in there. Who do you think will be maybe the next guy from Cage Warriors into the UFC? Jack Shore is really one of those guys putting his name forward, and he's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, he is, and uh, it's a proven path to the UFC and Cage Warriors. If if you're kind of uh, headlining and winning and holding title a title or titles in Cage Warriors, the UFC take notice of you and sign you. So I don't think he's too far away as long as long as he this win and maybe another win or maybe not even another win after this and the UFC come call and um maybe put him on a, a, a British or a EMEA card first and test him out there and then, you know, see how he does. And I think I think I think he can do really well in in the okay maybe not the, at the very top now, but I think he can go in there and beat a lot of the guys in the UFC in that division. So uh, I think he'll have no problem here uh, next week, um, but you never really know how the guys are going to get on in the UFC against the top guys until you see them. Maybe he rides it occasion, or maybe maybe they won't. But uh, I, I'd be I'd be keeping an eye on Jack Shore. One hundred percent. Yeah, and you do never know because you know Tom Dukumar was a guy I thought was a, you know a sure thing to go in and, and do do a lot of damage. And you know he's he's done well, but hasn't looked as as brilliant as he did outside, and maybe. You know, I don't know what that's it down takes to. Takes a while, like you know, look yeah. at Mark Jacquesi, like you know, he, he like he's kind of best best win of his career there uh, in his last fight against Duffy. Like, kind of showed more than than he than he showed before in the UFC, and kind of showed that he's you know his back was against the wall there after after losses, and um, sometimes it takes a while to put it together. So, like, mm-hmm. you just got to wait and see with these guys. Like you mentioned, Tom Duke and Wise, a good example as well. Like. Um, maybe in his next fight, Tom Duke was next fight or the fight after that. Maybe we'll be like, oh, he's putting it together. This is like I wouldn't write these guys off yet, yeah, is what I'm saying. 100%. But it, sometimes it takes a while. Mm-hmm, yeah, hundred percent. And this uh, fight as well, this card as well, obviously in Cardiff, and there's you know a lot of the Welsh uh, prospects in it. Mason Jones against Donovan Desmond. That's just a phenomenal fight as well. Mason Jones, six and all, really good prospect. Tom Watson coming back here as well uh, against Aaron Khalid, who's who's also from Wales. Uh, we've uh, Josh Reed as well, another Welsh guy here who won one of the the fights of the year last uh, 
la- last year was it or the year before one of one of many I saw I you know two years ago. yeah that was that was I think a, so. what a what a fight that was that wasn't one of the most insane fights I've ever seen like against um against Nathaniel Wood let me just look at the 2017 yeah so two years ago that was unreal you know he's come back and he's uh he beat Rory Evans in his last fight so but yeah there were like Nick Diaz against Paul Daly yeah, round fight yeah I think did it win our fight of the year. I think I might have. Not 100% sure, but yeah, it was a, it was a phenomenal so remember, He's nowhere near good enough to remember two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, Rory McDonald, we'll get to him in a second. But uh, KSW have a card as well. Not too familiar with the guys on, on this card. Maybe uh, maybe we'll, we'll hear about him during the week. But, um, you know, that that should be a, a good card as well on, on April 27th there. But um, Bellator have a... Maybe not a brilliant card this week, but a, a good main event and, and a good uh, co-main event as well. Lee Malay McFarlane uh, against Vita Ortega. Lee Malay is obviously, uh, at, at maybe not a prospect, but one of the most liked and most... What's the word, I suppose? Most marketable fighters that the Bellator have going to Hawaii and stuff. And she, you know, did a big crowd for her mm-hmm. last fight and stuff. Uh, and now we'll be able to see her as well. So beyond Sky Sports after and and Rory McDonald as well after after missing his last fight and I think her last fight as well. So um, yeah, looking looking forward to to seeing that. But what do you think of this Rory McDonald John Fitch fight? Who who do you see going through in that one? I think Rory McDonald uh, will win here. I think Fitch, um, it, like he was an awkward fighter, hard to and he had like a like you know hard to fight against, and he had a long streak of of wins in the UFC and. You know he deserved the title shots that he got, but I think the game's moved on from from John Fitch's game. Like it, it and Roy McDonald is is not just you know any other guy. He's, he's probably the uh, top five mm-hmm. welterweights or top six welterweights in the in the world. And I don't think Fitch is anywhere near that anymore. Mm-hmm. What if I told you John Fitch won his last five fights in a row? Yeah, I like, <laughs> I, didn't, you know, I didn't believe Wikipedia when I looked at that last night. Like what? It's, it just makes no yeah, sense. It's, it's John Fitch, you know. Like, if, if you're if you got these gaping holes in your in your game, wrestling wise, yeah, he'll, he'll put you down. But like he like his win against Paul Daly and Jake Shields. I can't remember the other ones. I mean, he he beat Brian Foster, Joe Zeferino, Yushin Okami. I was watching the Brian Foster fight last night, and like, oh yeah, Okami, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really <laughs> like that, that. That was years ago, though. No, that, that was, years was ago. the World Series of Fighting in 2015. Yeah, so he fought once in 2015, twice in 2016, once 17, once in 2018. But that Brian Foster yeah. fight, like, like Jay Shields is a very good win, and like, it is. Yeah. They're, they're all good wins, you know. Okami, Paul Daly, Brian Foster's no joke, you know. But like watching John Fitch, he, John Fitch is what he is, and he's. He goes for wrestling. Like, John Fitch is not, you know, a Habib type of wrestler in that he'll put loads of damage on you and he'll give you a little bit of space so he can move into a b- better position or whatever. John Fitch is... He'll do enough to keep the ref on stand you Barely. <laughs> John Fitch is a pure blanket. Like, he literally blankets you. He just sticks, like, nipple to nipple on top of you. <laughs> and he just stays there. Like, it's... it's, it's <laughs> Nipple to nipple. It does, like... It, that's what, what he kind of does. the only way to describe it. Like, but... Yeah, he, he gets caught so much. Not Brian Foster fight nearly got knocked out a couple of times and you know if if you can stop a takedown from John Fitch and throw a couple of jabs at him and throw a couple of uppercuts at him you can beat him and you can you can knock him out and you can finish him but you know he has only lost twice as well by knockout and in, in his whole career and the last one of him was to Johnny Hendricks in 2011 you know so that's you know okay right right off uh Right off, um, uh, John Fitch, all you want, and I suppose I'm doing that, and you're doing it a little bit as well. But I don't know. It's, it's I, I, maybe it's a tougher matchup than we're we're, we're giving the credit for. But look, Rory McDonald should be able to come out here, should yeah. be able to jab him up and and just hit him with a few straight rights, and and that should be that really. I think. Yeah, like Fitch is. Do you have his, his topology open there? He must be in his forties. Like he's. If Rory McDonald doesn't win this. I, I'd be very surprised, but uh, I think like maybe we're yeah maybe we were underestimating uh, John Fitch a little bit before because he like he is very good at what he does, but uh, I think Roy McDonald has fought guys who can do exactly what Fitch can do, and he's come through before, and he's just got way he's w- way more w- well rounded. Like uh, John Fitch isn't, isn't isn't really a submission guy. Like I know he has some submissions on his on his uh, record and. Uh, but he's he's more of a decision guy, and I I I, I don't see him winning a decision over Roy McDonald. I think Roy McDonald will will put damage on him and be able to to 
to avoid the takedowns. And if he does get taken down, I think I think he he will be able to to get back up mm-hmm. um, or reverse the position because he is good on the ground as well. Yeah. And John Fitch is 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 like as you said, he's not he's a blanket basically. You know, he he'll do enough for the for the ref to to not stand you up. But I think if you're going to beat War McDonald, if you take War McDonald down and you're going to beat him, you're going to have to put damage on him because I don't think he's, he's like, you're just going to get take 10 after take 10 after take 10. It's not going to be that easy. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, uh, I'd say, I, I don't see John Fitch getting any take downs here, but if he does, I just see Roy McDonald reversing the position or, or getting back up. Yeah. So I don't really see how John Fitch is going to win this. Mm-hmm. I agree. John Fitch is 41 as well, by the way. Roy McDonald as well, 14 years as a pro. So like, you know, it, Okay, John Fitch is probably the bad fight to, to pick it out. And he's not, not going to get knocked out against John yeah, Fitch. Yeah, a lot of wars mm-hmm. mixed in there. A few wars mixed in there. Like, you know, even the Carlos Condit one in one of his first UFC fights yeah. like was a bit of a war like as well. Like, and lost to Musassi last time out as well. Yeah. Like, he looked like the elephant man after uh, after Carlos Condit. Mm-hmm. And uh, after his nose Bobby getting Lawler. broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his nose getting broken and then getting destroyed by Wonderboy. Mm-hmm. Um... And then the, obviously the Gagarin Musashi fight, and I think his nose is fragile, so maybe that's the way John Fitch could win if he lands a big one on the nose. Big elbow if it gets to the ground or something like yeah. Yeah, uh, if he just targets that nose, maybe yeah. that's the best, that's way, best way of way winning. Just hit his nose, hit his, like a like a dragon, go it's for like, the right. Yeah, yeah. his Achilles heel is his nose. His nose yeah, his Achilles nose. Um, Henderson, Benson Henderson even is fighting Adam uh, Piccoletti on this card as well. Piccoletti is. Is eleven and two now beat uh, Terry James and Carrington Banks after losing to, to David Rickles in the fight before that. So, you know it's you know Vincent Henderson has kind of had an odd time in Bellator, hasn't he? You know he's he's picked up a few wins, but he's maybe looked at, looked maybe his age or looked at the stage of his career. Listen, uh, losing to to Patrick e. Pitbull and Mi- and Michael Chandler and Korishkov as well. Although he beat Syed Awad in a good decision win. In, in October last year and beat Roger Huerta as well and you know Roger Huerta's obviously pretty pretty much over the hill at this stage as well but you know win this fight and Vincent Henderson at lightweight is probably back into the title mix and I'm sure they'd love to make you know Vincent Henderson um Vincent Henderson against uh, against Michael Chandler again you know it was a split decision last time um so you know if, if he could get a win win here you know it could be a, it could be good good for Vincent Henderson and Phil Davis against Liam McGeary as well that's a, that's a that's an interesting fight, I suppose. Obviously, you'd have to favor uh, favor Phil Davis to to win. It feels like they fought a yeah. fight before. Yeah, they, they, they did. They did fight before, before and uh, yeah, uh, Phil, Phil Davis, Davis won. won yeah. Like McGeary, just like you know, he's throwing up these triangles. these kind of triangles, and I, like Phil Davis, seen all that before. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I see Phil Davis just winning by decision again here. Just maybe not a great fight. Mm-hmm. Most Phil Davis fights aren't great. I think Phil Davis, like, maybe McGeary could land some, some kind of flashy shot, but I think I think Phil, Phil Davis actually has a good chin, even though he reacts badly when he, he reacts strangely when he gets hit at yeah. all. Even if he gets hit, like, a little bit, he kind of makes this weird movement mm-hmm. that makes him look like he's been hit harder. But I think he actually, that that's just some kind of weird <laughs> tick or something yeah. he has. Um, and I think he actually has a really good chin. And I don't, I don't think McGeary's really a knockout artist. I don't see him getting one of his triangles. I just see him being taken down, ground and pounded and held down. I don't see it being any much different than the first fight. Mm-hmm, 100%. Looking forward to seeing it on uh, on Sky Sports. Well, it should be, it should be a fun card. Looking, looking forward to seeing it. Um, you weren't at McGregor's boxing match there the other night, were you? No, no. How did you think of that? Just went in, had a bit of a knock as he as he uh, <laughs> came out of it, Took got a draw. His first professional t- boxing fight without losing. <laughs> is a professional is that professional well, no, I, don't, I don't think so I suppose but uh, I, I, I wonder if anyone put it on his Wikipedia yet they better have but I think he got a draw and he got like 70 quid of a, of a purse anyway so I wonder uh, I remember when I interviewed uh, Richard Kiley there a, a couple of weeks ago I know we talk about him as well he, he's a fight announced but uh, or a couple of months ago probably at this stage you know he, he took um, 
he took a couple of kickboxing matches there to kind of prepare for his fight and I asked him did you get permission from Bellator and he goes no I hadn't even thought about it he's like better, better, better to say sorry than ask for permission or whatever that say it isn't I suppose yeah, McGregor yeah. is a little bit I doubt McGregor was telling, telling the UFC or anyone he was taking that that boxing thing and, and it didn't really come out until kind of Keen Coley Snapchat or something like that but what did you think of it did you have any, any kind of thoughts on the ranting or was it just a, an old charity event and yeah, I think it was just just a charity thing, an exhibition bout. I, I don't see it being a problem with the UFC, but I, I, like, as you said there, and as Kylie said, like it's better to you, you might as well not ask and just do it, and mm-hmm. they can't really do much about it, and they're not like, what are they gonna do? Like, you know, they're gonna do nothing, as he said, <laughs> they'll do nothing. They'll do fucking nothing. They'll do fucking nothing. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into a couple of questions here. Sign up Patreon.com forward slash Verma podcast. I will have the Q and A out on Tuesday. We didn't have a load of questions this week, but I'll still get you out like a 15 20 minute Q and A as well. I'll shine on there for a while. We also had a soccer podcast last week. Uh, we'll probably have another soccer podcast this week, depending on how. Uh, uh, how Wednesday goes we'll, we'll probably have one Thursday I suppose and in two weeks time we're going to have the State of the UFC on this Sunday instead of the normal podcast because I'm away for four days for like the first time in like two years so uh, but they'll have loads of podcasts up anyway every time I like go away and I'm missing a day I like put extra Patreon podcasts because I'm afraid there's going to be nothing up so now would be a good time to sign up for Patreon patreon.com forward slash podcast because I'll have uh, I'll have loads of shit up anyway so let's answer a couple of these questions Graham uh, Evan Keevney which Cage Warriors fighter do you expect to see in the UFC next year yeah that was Jack Shore has to be up there doesn't he yeah you could see Pimblet getting in there as well if they wanted to put on a show in the UK he'd be he'd be another one like it's it's not look, when you have a personality like Pimblet, it's not necessary to win every single fight and f- for the UFC to be interested in you. Like, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he if 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 he went there either. But I yeah, I think Jack Shore is probably the the one that comes to mind most. Maybe that's just because we were talking about him earlier and he's fighting next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Garmley, <laughs> uh, DC out, Brock in the wings. Should Overeem rematch Steep? I love the podcast. I was great stuff. Thank you very much, Sam. What do you think, Steep against Overeem? Um, yeah, well, like Deepa needs a fight, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it again. Like these these heavyweight fights, they can, like you know they're they can go differently just because of the power all guys have. Like he, we were kind of talking about Allneck earlier. Maybe he doesn't have the best striking in the world, but mm-hmm. uh, or the pop on his punches. But at, at heavyweight, you you can one punch can change a fighter. Yeah, hundred percent. I I agree with that. Yeah, look, as I said, Deepa definitely needs a fight. Deepa versus Overeem. Yeah, sure. Let, let's let's make it happen. Mark Atwell as well. Uh, this kind of got me thinking. Uh, what about Makachev, Grapple Fest? Who's next for him? Surely a top 10. That subtle leg slash foot push to get his opponent to the ground was top notch. Not to mention Charyukin at 22 years of old. Big future at 100%. What do you think of this, Graham? Islam Makachev versus Gregor Gillespie. <laughs> like... It's. A, I think it's a fight that in the Joe Silva wouldn't have made in the past, mm-hmm. and maybe I kind of think like that. That it's better not to put two kind of good prospects like this together until maybe it's for a title contention or for a title in the future. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's necessary to derail one of them a little bit. Not derail completely, but to, to set back one of these fighters. You can build both of these guys up with different fights. I think. Mm-hmm. 100%. But it would also be a good fight. Like, and I'd <laughs> it'd probably, be, I'd, like, you know, uh, we'd probably learn a lot about both guys, but I don't think it's it's necessary at this, at this stage anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of questions here. Uh, one from um, uh, Twitter, which uh, you obviously know the answer to. Kieran O'Flynn, was it true that apparently McGregor was supposed to train with Diaz a few years ago? Um... Mm, the Diaz has reached out to me mm-hmm. through somebody else to try and get, make something happen, but it just never came together. Years and years and years ago, this is mm-hmm. this was pre UFC for Connor, even I think. But like, did you said it to Connor, and what did he say? Did he agree to it? Like, um, I, I can't, I can't remember. Ah, oh, yeah, fuck's sake. Never like you're, you're look at you fucking won't give us any information. Never liked you anyway. She just gave you information there. <laughs> a bit of a, as well, actually. Ariel, do you know he put up that picture of McGregor and Habib? You took that picture, didn't you? You think you took it anyway? Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I took it because uh, yeah. I took a photo of that exact thing. Unless somebody was standing right beside me, so I don't want to say like 
so because not like when fighters together, people might take a right beside each other, but I'm pretty sure I took that photo for yeah. them. Yeah. So somebody, somebody quote this podcast. Go at Ari Hawani here. You were looking for who took that photo. It was Graham. Graham took the photo. So do that. Oh, he yeah. was asking who took it, was he? Yeah, Ari was asking. I was going to reply. He's like, oh, Graham took it. But I remember we'd spoken about it and you had said that you're not, you're like 98% sure that you took yeah, it. Yeah, well, so. like I, I, I took a photo of them. Sure, it was more at, like at, you at that exact in. time. Yeah. But like, I'm not sure if somebody was beside me or whatever. I can't remember that. So maybe it was like, you know, exactly beside i don't know but i'm pretty sure i took it yeah some breaking news here okay last question i don't want to take take uh, credit for something i didn't do so um <laughs> get even the, caveat in there. Get, make everyone put the severe watermark on, on, on that photo from now on uh every evening what's your favorite football chant my my Ooh. my favorite one can't be broadcast on uh, <laughs> on the internet here but uh my favorite one is uh Steve Gerard Gerard, he slipped on his fucking arse. He gave it to Dimbaba. Steve Gerard Gerard, that's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, you love Steven Gerard, it's I, funny. I hate him. He's such a you're prick. obsessed with him. I actually am. With him. I hate Liverpool. Oh, I hate him so much. Like, oh, come on, Cardiff. Sure, the, the the league's over now. City mm. City City uh, knocked out of the Champions League, but they won. They won against Spurs. So are you going to give out about that? Man United are going to do. Man United are going to do us. Yeah, well, what do you think? It was definitely a penalty, but uh, in if you're looking at the whole game, City had at least won 100% did the clearest penalty in the whole game and probably should have had another one as well. Like, So, I think it was actually yeah, but, Tottenham got off fairer than, than City did, in, in fairness. So. A lot of re- bad refereeing decisions. VAR can't come soon enough. Like They nearly put City through to the... Semi-final of the Champions League with a with a terrible decision. So mm, it was, that was that was very close. Though, in fairness, you know that's one. Nah, he was he was clearly off. How how was that Bernardo Silva penalty not given at the weekend? Like that was the one of the most clear penalties. And I, I actually think uh, I hope, no. The, the one thing about VAR is I hope like these stupid handballs, like the the they, yeah. Well, like the the one that actually wasn't given because. Trent Alexander was actually out of play, but Allison like punched the ball and like towards going out of play and it hit Trent Alexander Arnold, who's like a yard or two away from him on the arm when he when he was like completely not expecting it and they looked at it for ages on VAR. It's like that's yeah, obviously that's, ball to hand. Why are you looking at this for so long? Don't delay the game for things that are clearly mm-hmm. like clearly not necessary, you know? If it, they need to make it better for the fans as well and and Apparently, it's just like, you know, VAR review on the screen. They don't get to see the replays or anything like that, mm-hmm. which is, I just think they need to, they need to do it like the NFL. I hate VAR. You, I hate it. They I, need to do it like the NFL, though, where the crowd can see it and you, like, and it's mm-hmm. a bit of fun to the crowd. They, have, they have been doing like, that more than anticipation and like, oh, it, it, like it's, it's whatever, you know, it's a, a penalty or a red card or whatever. I like, I, I don't want to go full Paul Kimmich here and we'll, we'll do another soccer podcast on the week, <laughs> as I said, but. Uh, sports should be about enjoyment and it should be about for the fans as well and enjoying these great moments and like that Man City thing okay it was very very funny obviously at, at the weekend but like all the fans were like cheering like yes we've won we've won and then it went to television I it just brilliant. it felt it wrong brilliant. like it just felt it wrong I, I actually felt really bad for Sterling though because yeah. like you know it was a huge moment for him like you know very few British English player, English players have you know, scored a hat trick in the Champions League, and David Bentley did crazy, crazy game to get to the semi final, the last minute winner, and then he took like you know everybody's celebrating. Pep Guardiola is going mad, and then oh, Pochettino is like throwing stuff at his own bench <laughs> and going go mad, and then all of a sudden it changes like it's it's crazy, but it was great fun. Yeah, was... I love the chaos. That's why I love MMA because of the chaos. So yeah. I like when chaos breaks out in other sports. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's. It's it's and like if there's VAR in the Premier League, then Man United can't get like gifted. Yeah, like, that's those, that's my worst Premier League problem. titles. We're so shit now, though. It won't make any difference. But sure, look, these things happening in association football anyway. Hopefully, we'll beat Everton today. Hopefully, Cardiff will beat Liverpool, and then we can afford to beat Man City next week, and they can still win the league. So come on, Cardiff! If Cardiff don't win today, like Newcastle now are on forty-one points as well. So that game is is a walkover for Liverpool. So this is really Liverpool's last competitive <laughs> game. So really though. Team in Wales, yeah, it's gonna be tough, yeah. but uh. It's one <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, do you remember? I love that joke I used to have when Liverpool weren't in in Europe there a few years back, and every time they used to play Swansea away, I was like, "Oh, here's all of Liverpool's uh, European fixtures <laughs> for for the year <laughs> happening today." That was my favorite. I'm going <laughs> There you go. Anyway, all right, everybody. Thanks very much uh, for listening. As I said, sign up severemeta.com forward slash points. Uh, price of a pint a month. To sign up to Patreon, you get loads of things. It's way better than bother shiting and that he's after starting anyway. So uh, support us if you like to. <laughs> if you like to, if you like to see. Uh, oh, I'm going to send you a newsletter once every three weeks. Oh, or you could get ten podcasts a week from myself and Graham. Not that many, but you know what I mean. Sign up Patreon. That's <laughs> not shit. It's just full on fuck father. Like I just said it straight to his face as well. So no problem. I'm only, I'm only, I'm only joking. Sign up for his as well. Fuck you, butter. But definitely us for. Uh, all right. Sure, every time butter's on the podcast, all he does. Is slag me so yeah, I don't feel bad he's only a bollocks anyway I never liked him Ever- Everton today as well he's an Everton fan so yeah hopefully we'll, we'll ah, is he though? Is who, he though? who would you be supporting today now would you hope Man United true, true. Or, or he doesn't know anything about football in his nice. opinion Tim Howard's the best player to ever play football yeah. like. god almighty you, uh, Tim Howard okay everyone knows he was shit Tim like, Howard fucking hell Amer- do Americans actually think Tim Howard was good yeah because he made a couple of saves when people kicked the ball straight at him god and, in the, in, the, in the one game they actually watched. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember he made, oh, yeah, I remember talking about that to you out. It was like, he made eight saves. And like, yeah, because the ball like, hit him yeah, in the face like, like four yeah. times. <laughs> but like, he, like he, he couldn't not save those. Like, yeah. even Mignolet would have saved those. Uh, I wouldn't but. go that far now, but... When, when fucking Ray Carroll never, is never, over never, never, we should never forget about Mignolet is. Never. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Tim Herrer. Who, that, was, that was bad. That was, that was bad. Is, who's worse, Carrius or Mignolet? Definitely Mignolet, actually. Oh, Mignolet is way yeah, worse. Yeah. Carries, sorry. Carries good sub goalie. Like, good sub goalie. All right, everybody. Thanks for <laughs> thanks very much for listening. Tune in Patreon during the week, and here's the inspirational quote of the week: "Climb the mountain so you can see the world, not so the world can see you." We'll see you next Tuesday or Monday or Sunday. <laughs>